Aloha, everyone. From State 50, this is Papa Guy with the Papa Guy San Show. Got a nice show today. Going to have a good conversation. But first of all, we're going to start you out with a little bit of the best medicine. Glad you're with us. So there's a Scotsman sitting on a plane and he's sitting next to a Mormon. And they get up to cruising altitude and the stewardess comes by and says to the Scotsman, would you like a drink? And he orders himself a stiff drink and then she makes it and gives it to him and says to the Mormon, uh, what can I get for you, sir? Would you like a drink? The Mormon says, ma'am, I would rather be raped by 12 filthy whores than ever put alcohol to my lips. And the Scotsman hands his drink back to the stewardess. He says, me too. I didn't know we had a choice. And that Scotsman, he's on his way to New York. He's an immigrant. And the first thing he does when he lands is he's got tickets to a Yankees baseball game. And he goes to the baseball game and doesn't know a thing about baseball, but it's as American as things can be. So he's, that's the first thing he wanted to do. So he's sitting up in the stands at the game and a couple innings go by and not much happens. And finally somebody gets a hit and everybody around him jumps up and yells, run, run, run. And Scotsman, oh, that's what you do. I say so. So the next guy gets a hit, and the Scotsman jumps up with everybody else. Says, "Run, run, you bastard, run!" And then the, another batter gets up, and another hit, and everybody jumps up. Run, run! The Scotsman is all excited. Oh no! You run, bastard, run! Then the next batter gets to a three and two count, and the pitcher throws the ball, and the umpire says walk. The guy starts walking down the first base line, and a Scotsman jumps up and says, run, run, you bastard, run. And nobody does anything. They just look at him. Like, you know, they kind of laugh, and he, he sits down embarrassed. And the guy next to him says, look, he doesn't have to run. He's got four balls. Scotsman's eyes get wide, and he stands up and says, walk with pride, you manly bastard. Walk with pride. <laughs> So three different couples go into a priest to uh, ask to get married. One of the couples is an older couple, and one is a middle-aged couple, and one is a young couple. And the priest says to them, I will marry you, but you must refrain from sex for one month. Well, three couples, they agree, and they leave. And a month later, they come back, and the older couple, the priest says, well, did you make the 30 days without sex? And the couple says, yes, yes, we did. It was no problem. The middle-aged couple comes in, and sits down and well did you make the 30 days without sex and they said it was a little difficult but yeah we we made it a younger couple comes in and sits down the priest says well did you make it for 30 days and the guy says well here's what happened it was going pretty well we were we were resisting it was hard but you know we we resisted and then you know gosh she dropped a can of corn and oh she bent over to pick it up and ah that was the end of it and we had sex and the priest says well you are not welcome in my church. And the guy says, well, you know, we're not welcome in the supermarket either. <laughs> well, thankfully, Tiger survived his recent car accident. It sure looked bad. I know when I saw that on television, I was like everyone else. I was really worried just that he was alive, you know, let alone injured or not. But um, we wish him a speedy recovery and 
I was talking with one of my friends, and, and apparently some guy that lived near there, you know, came out and was the first person on the scene of the accident, and, uh, you know, before the paramedics even. And can you imagine that? My friend said, can you imagine that, coming up to a car that's rolled over this many times, and you look inside, and there's, there's Tiger Woods. I mean, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd give him a seven iron and a sand wedge, because that guy can get out of anywhere with those two clubs. <laughs> This is the watch and listen segment of our show where I would like to give a little bit of a shout out to a podcast and also a movie that I think would be of interest to you. First of all, I'd like to start out with the podcast, Politicology. Now that might sound like a bad course you have to take in college or an interesting course, but it's actually quite an excellent podcast. It's about politics, but it's Explained through conversations, really good conversations with great guests. The host for the show is a gentleman named Ron Steslow, and this actually morphed out of the Lincoln Project podcast, of which I believe Ron Steslow was one of the big stars. It's one of the most positive things that came out of that. And I'd also like to give a shout out to a couple of the episodes that I listened to recently, which uh, I think you also find interesting. One is episode 10 with Celeste Headley on having better conversations. And the other one is episode 12, Dr. Catherine Sanderson on become becoming moral rebels. All I will do is say, go to where you get podcasts, your favorite site and look up politicology. You will not be disappointed. I started listening to podcasts after my son suggested that I do so. And I found many that I like very well. And so I feel it's a part of my obligation to suggest to you what also might be interesting podcast for you. So this week it is politicology. For the watch segment, I am suggesting a very good movie called The Trial of the Chicago 7. Back in 1969 is when the trial was held. And it's a true story, a drama of what happened at the 1968 Democratic National Convention where a number of people were um, arrested and then later tried for inciting coming across, coming across state lines and inciting a riot. The movie is well done. It's done by Aaron Sorkin, who did the West Wing series a number of years ago, which is a very successful series. And the story is that uh, Steven Spielberg, back in somewhere around 2007, wanted to do this film. And so he called Aaron Sorkin, and Aaron Sorkin was all excited just because Steven Spielberg had called him. And so he goes down to Steven Spielberg's place and, and they meet and he says, I want to do a movie about the trial of the Chicago 7. And Sorkin's just excited that Spielberg's asked him to do a movie. And so they had a conversation about it. And then the first thing Sorkin does is he goes outside and he Googles, what is the Chicago 7? And it may not sound familiar to many of you, but it's a great story. And it's so parallel to what's happened recently on January 6th with the insurrection and uh, at the capital of the United States. And of course, back then at the Democratic National Convention in 1968, there was lots of violence. 
The mayor of Chicago had the National Guard and police officers out there in in mass to meet these people who were protesting the uh, Vietnam War, essentially, and wanting the Democratic Party to put as part of their platform to get the U.S. out of Vietnam. I'm not going to say any more than that. It's an excellent film. Uh, there's many great actors and actresses in it. Sasha Baron Cohen, Cohen is one of them, and and you get to watch this trial play out and this absolutely insane judge who oversees this trial. So that's my watch suggestion: the trial of the Chicago Seven, which can be seen on Netflix. So that's where you can view it. Please watch it, and I hope you enjoy it. I get nothing for offering these suggestions. They are not promotions. <laughs> I simply enjoy them myself, and I think that you'll find them interesting as well. We will be right back with the main opinion topic of this show, right after this short message. A quick note to our listeners: I hope that you can subscribe to our podcast and share it with others if you like it, and also you can help support the podcast by going to Anchor.fm/backslash. Papa Guy San show, and you can actually click on the support button there and donate what you'd like per month. Now we are just getting started. I just want to let you know that we'll be reminding you of this opportunity to support us as we get more episodes out there. Then perhaps you feel that this will be a good option for you. Any donations you can make will help our cause, and we'll be able to bring more quality shows to you. Much aloha. A little over a month ago, there was another politically incorrect incident, which uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about. But also, it kind of leads into some things about sports, women's sports, men's sports, both of them. But what happened was the um, wonderful uh, podcast, the War Room podcast, which is hosted by Steve Bannon. By the way, in case you didn't catch it, anything with Steve Bannon's name on it uh, is not wonderful. That was sarcastic comment by me. And he had his guest on there. This was back in February. His guest was uh, Rudy Giuliani, and they were talking about Rush Limbaugh shortly after he passed away. Giuliani referenced a story from several years before that where they were playing in some kind of a pro-am or celebrity event, and he and Rush Limbaugh were paired in the group with Michelle Wee, who, as you know, um, is a phenomenal golfer. Giuliani made some comments about the way she was putting at that time, where she would bend over at almost a 90-degree angle and, and putt. And and Rudy Giuliani made a comment to Rush Limbaugh that the reason the paparazzi were there, which apparently was bothering Rush Limbaugh, was they were there to take pictures of Michelle Wee when she putted like that because of all that she revealed. And, of course, that received major backlash from Michelle Wee and lots of other people as he was responding to Nike and their sponsorship of her. And, you know, first of all, you have Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani on a podcast. Neither of those fellows are exactly the, you know, the brightest folks on the planet. The fact that this story got told there, it shouldn't be of any surprise. Um, the, but it does not change the fact that it was just wrong. It's not the place to even be talking about that. But the gist of it was that, uh, course like anything politically incorrect now it came out and Michelle we made a comment about what they should actually remember about that day rather than you know what they saw when she was bending over to putt would be what her score was which apparently was a 64 and she beat every other man in the field that day 
I can't imagine that, you know, Rudy Giuliani um, would remember that. Uh, he probably has to go back and recount that. As the recent political election showed, counting is not exactly one of Rudy Giuliani's fortes. How many times did he go back to Georgia to try to get the right number, or at least the number he wanted? So this little faux pas had its social media run. It was inappropriate, and everybody had their response and their chances. The news cycles are so fast these days. But it brought to mind for me the continuing debate about women's sports and men's sports. I mean, that aside, that stupid ass comment on a podcast, and it got the re- it got the response it should have gotten. It took me back to the days, the 1970s, when Title IX, which, in case you don't know what it is, it basically was the in- initiation of a rule at the collegiate level in- in- for women to be able to have equal access to activities. In college, that really means sports. Um, it, it wasn't just for sports, but that was the biggest area it seemed to be noticed in and had its impact in. Now, running around the campuses of college from 1977 till you know the early 1980s, a lot of times I could hear conversations going on between male coaches of some of the revenue-producing sports. Uh, I went to Central Michigan University. And oftentimes I, you know, I just see coaches rolling their eyes and saying title nine, title nine. And, you know, they, they didn't like the idea because apparently it took money away from or scholarships away from their programs to allow women to compete in programs as well. At the collegiate level, I have no problem with that. I mean, I think that is absolutely what should happen. It's still college. It's still college athletics. And as much of a business as it's become, and it is, especially the big revenue-producing sports, there should be equal opportunity. I mean, there should have been long before Title IX, but there should be equal opportunity. It also reckons me back to the early days of ESPN, which somewhere in the early 1980s, my friends and I were watching ESPN in college, and you were lucky if you saw Australian rules football and maybe women's field hockey and some water polo. They weren't covering the big sport. However, the onset of ESPN made it possible as the years developed, obviously, and it were many years removed from that, but the access to view other sports is amazing on ESPN. And obviously they cover a lot of major sports now too, not just what they did back then. And yet the debate goes on. The debate of a still existing inequality between men's and women's sports. And I think that there's a big difference between professional side of it and, of course, the collegiate side of it. For example, the prize money. There are some debates for you know whether or not equal prize money is actually justified or not. And I say it's all based on what the public actually wants. And what the public wants generates ratings. And what those ratings show shows the sponsors where they want to spend their money, certainly when it comes to professional sports. Nobody is going to be able to tell me what to watch. That's the first thing. I can watch whatever I want. I can tune into an NBA game. Most of the times I don't. I can turn into a WNBA game. Almost all the time I don't. I can tune in to watch the women's NCAA basketball tournament if I want to. Most of the time I don't. There are times though when I do watch it and I choose to, especially when we get down to close games. There's a lot of excitement there, but I think there is a difference 
between men's sports and women's sports. And that's also reflected in the sponsorships. But what is wrong with there being a difference between men's and women's sports? The fact that there is a men's draw at the U.S. Open and there's a women's draw at the U.S. Open and there's a men's golf U.S. Open and a women's golf U.S. Open. What's wrong with that? I see nothing wrong with that. Physical abilities are going to determine how somebody can participate in the sport. And here's my argument. When it comes to sports, sports, I believe, is one of the ultimate meritocracies. In other words, if you're good enough to make the LPGA, the women's pro golfer, then you qualify and you make the tour. If you're good enough to make the men's tour, then you have to qualify and get there. So you are basically rewarded on how well you do. But from an audience perspective and a prize money perspective, you, there's a huge difference between the LPGA and the PGA. And a large part of that has to do with a guy named Tiger Woods. Without Tiger Woods, these guys would not make the money that they do today. And even in the early days of Tiger Woods, there was a lot of complaints from other PGA players who were playing in the same tournament as Tiger, but they never got any exposure on television their family may be watching at home or whatever, but they weren't covered. Well, golf coverage has expanded too with, of course, the addition of the Golf Channel. You know, coverage for all tours has expanded because of the Golf Channel. And that is just a good thing. But every person gets to choose to tune in to what they want to watch, just like every person gets to choose which movie they want to watch on Netflix. And the variance, if you look at the prize money difference between the LPGA and the PGA, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's a major difference. You got a $4 million purse at an LPGA event and a $15 million purse at a PGA event. And that's, again, those are not exact numbers, but it's pretty close to that. That's strictly up to the sponsors. That's not me or the male population saying, hey, these guys deserve more money. It's simply saying that the sponsors are saying this is worth our dollar to invest in this. And I believe it is that simple. So Michelle Wee, back to her, she actually had a chance to do for women's golf what Tiger did for men's golf. Now, I don't know at what level she could have raised it, but it definitely brought attention. She even went out and played a few of the men's events um, and, and, you know, was able to do fairly well. And obviously, you know, she can hit the ball a long way. And that was one of the things that sparked an interest or a lifted interest in the women's golf tour. And that was Michelle Wee. Wow. Can she now raise this game to a different level where more women are hitting it farther? People are anxious to watch them play golf because let's face it, people wanted to watch Tiger Woods play golf. And those other PGA Tour pros, the males who were complaining because almost all the attention of the television, they were following Tiger a lot. And the announcers made the statement, you know, within they said, hey, the truth is that people don't tune in every week to watch Woody Austin and Rich Beam play golf. Now, if you know golf, you know that Woody Austin and Rich Beam are extremely good players and were quite successful on the tour. But that was the truth. It wasn't a knock against those two players. Whoever the announcer was who said that, 
he just threw out those two names, or those were the first two names that came to mind. But you can watch a men's tour event every week on TV, starting Thursday, right on through on Sunday, just about every week of the year, and the prize money is phenomenal. Having been a tennis player, playing, you know, small college tennis, and then teaching it for a number of years, it's my belief, and this is my belief, that the closest sports, when you compare men's to women's, where their parody exists, where it is just as much entertainment to watch the women's final as it is to watch the men's final or or any uh, round in a tennis tournament, is the men's and women's tennis. Because what happened was in the mid 80s, you know, to early 90s, the talk was the game is going to change. The rackets were getting too powerful. The the ball was too fast. The game was just going to be destroyed by the equipment. But what happened was the athleticism of the players, both men and women, kept up. They are faster. They are stronger to a person. You can look at them and see what athletes they are. But in tennis, you see much more of an equality in prize money as well. And that's because from a business perspective only, the sponsors see that it's worth it. Because they're the ones that pay the prize money. It's not just the ticket sales. It's the sponsorship of these tournaments. And to me, that's what makes it the meritocracy that it is. But you still have a women's tour and a men's tour. And eventually, the two sports are going to be compared gender to gender. That's just the way things are right now. And, of course, you had John McEnroe several years ago. I'm pretty sure it was John McEnroe. I'll have to double-check my facts. But if I'm misquoting, then I'm sorry. But I'm pretty sure it was him. And it sounds like it should be him because he would say it. He was on a show, and he was asked if he thought Serena Williams was the greatest tennis player of all time. And he said, she is the greatest female tennis player of all time. And the woman who was asking him the question says, why can't you just say she's the greatest tennis player of all time? And he correctly answered, she's not. She is possibly the best female tennis player of all time. But they want to make John McEnroe to make this supposedly politically correct statement. And thank you, John, for not having to do that. When that day comes, When a woman qualifies for the men's tour in golf and competes equally and perhaps even wins an event, then that day will come. But either way, it's going to be based on meritocracy. And that is, can you earn it? Can you get there? Can you do that? I think Michelle Wee was a little glimpse that it could possibly happen. I will also say this. Michelle Wee, after having her daughter last year, and I, I don't had nothing to do with this, but she actually named her daughter McKenna. And I have a granddaughter named McKenna. I thought that was cool. Anyways, she, at the birth of her daughter, decided she did not want to retire from golf. It, in fact, it made her want to come back and play golf more. And I tell you what, when she plays, I will tune in. And I'll tune in to watch the Solheim Cup. And I'll tune in to watch the collegiate women's golf, the match play. It is very good. Part of what brought all this up for me was I was reading an article or rereading an article that was written several years ago about a woman who was on a college campus. And, you know, I guess she was looking for a place for her, one of her kids to go to school, 
don't remember if it was her daughter or son, but she walked into a gym and there was actually a competitive women's basketball game going on. So she went in, walked right down and sat down and watched it. And in her article, she wrote an article about this and she was really impressed with the quality of play of these women. And I'm sure she was right. But as she looked around, pretty much there was a scattered seating of a few in the arena, but there just weren't very many. And and she just thought it was awful that more people weren't in there watching this basketball game. And I responded in a short email that, you know, an empty stadium is the most obvious reason why is because people don't have an interest, at least not a lot of people, and that the level of play, although good, doesn't even compare remotely to men's basketball play of of a similar level, collegiate level. I've watched women's basketball games. I like them. But I also think it's important to understand that when you come out of the collegiate, and they should have every opportunity to play, especially at the collegiate level, college athletics has gone way too commercial, way too um, money-driven. But women got the opportunity, and they should have gotten the opportunity, and they will continue to get the opportunity to compete equally and play their sports in college. I absolutely support that 100%. And I look forward to the day when one of them who plays college softball or baseball hits in the majors or where a woman from the LPGA tour jumps over to the men's tour and actually comes up with a win. I will be there. I will tune in for that absolutely 100%. I'm going to jump back to tennis one more time because this is a very interesting thing from the recent Australian Open final. I believe it was Jennifer Brady um, played against Naomi Osaka in the final. Since 1983, Jennifer Brady was the first woman to reach a Grand Slam final who actually competed at the collegiate level since 1983. So that tells you one thing about tennis. If you're not already good by 14, 15, or 16 years old, because the physical you know, longevity of a tour in tennis is very different than, say, golf or other sports, that most of those who get good enough, they just bypass college and they move on to the tour. First woman since 1983 to reach a Grand Slam final who came through the collegiate levels. I thought that was a great statistic, but I it also, I thought it was good because, you know, I know she, she uh, she's taken, Jennifer Brady's, it's taken her a few years to, to get up there. Where there has been success is in doubles. There's been a number of successful doubles players, which, which is really a completely different game now because back in the day when you know guys like McEnroe and those guys were playing tennis they usually or a lot of the guys in the field played both singles and doubles and you just don't see that very much anymore they either play one or the other 
singles or doubles. But the fact that there is a, a um, actual audience for that and a participation that a lot of these people who come through the collegiate ranks and end up making the pro tour, perhaps not so much in singles, but in doubles, they do pretty well. But I also will tell you this. I look at the stands at a doubles final and it, not that many people there. Not like there are the singles finals. Now, obviously, this last year, there were few, if any, people there um, because of the COVID pandemic. But I believe we continue to move forward in this arena. I think that there's no question that pretty soon you're going to have men on the L and the, I'm sorry, on the PGA tour who actually win a tournament, a regular tour event when they're 55 or they're 56 or 59, whatever Tom Watson came really close in the British open, not so many years ago to, you know, winning at the age of 59. Anyways, I believe in the meritocracy of sports. I believe in the equal opportunity to participate in sports. Whatever you want to tune into, you can. Whatever you want to support, you can. Television coverage is one of the things that has really made this possible with the different sports channels, ESPN coverage of both the women's NCAA tournament and the men's NCAA tournament was exceptional. You really can turn into several TV channels and and see what you want to see. So I think that's the other part of sports and the equality of opportunity where there is exposure to many different sports um, that you can watch on these channels. And, and I think that's great because then as a fan, you get to choose. You get to choose if you want to watch the men's senior golf tour, which I usually choose not to. But the overall opportunity to watch what kind of sports you want to um, is, is there. Uh, television has done a very good job in covering this. ESPN has done a very good job in covering this and exposing more sports to those who want to watch, be it the type of sport or whether it's women's golf, men's golf, women's tennis, men's tennis, women's soccer, men's soccer. Soccer is a different subject, and I'm not going to go into that. You know, the equality of opportunity, I believe, is there. And that is the first thing. This is a progress. It's not an end game. I hopefully hope I don't get any bad emails or feedback on this because uh, I actually, you know, believe that somebody is good at something they're as good at. And I will say one more thing. When the Olympics comes around and the swimmers jump in the water, I don't care what gender they are because I absolutely am not the greatest swimmer. And anybody that can swim, I am so amazed by the speed, the power, the build of these athletes, men and women. So when the Olympics comes, I will, uh, when Olympics shows up, I will be there to watch. Anyways, hey, it's just my opinion. Hope you enjoyed the opinion episode today, and we'll see you again on the Papa Guy Sancho. Show.